This episode of POMCAST is sponsored by Northlight Fibres. Northlight Fibres is a leading micro yarn mill producing handcrafted artisanal yarns on Block Island, Rhode Island, USA. The island is a rural summer community where year-round jobs are rare and the mill is the right size for the small economy. Their yarns are luscious, soft and lofty with complex heathery or deep-hued colours. And with names like Water Street, Atlantic and Ocean Avenue, they reflect the island, one that looks like a lot like the British Isles. The yarn is made by knitters who focus on the best fibres and perfect carding, spinning and plying for each type of yarn. They are the real deal. And they're working with some of our favourite designers like Bristol Ivy, Thea Coleman, Julie Hoover, Fiona Ellis and Deborah Newton to name a few. In fact, Bristol and Thea will be leading a workshop at Northlight Fibres in 2018. Check out the yarns, retreats and story on their website, northlightfibres.com. Thanks, Northlight. And welcome to POMCAST, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. I'm back, Lydia hey. Buck, that is. <laughs> and I'm here with Sophie Scott. Hi, Soph. Hi, I'm also here. <laughs> um, I wasn't around for the last episode, so I feel like it's been a really long time it since does I recorded. Feel, I mean, I do see you nigh on constantly, but still it feels a long time <laughs> since we, you. <laughs> we sat in this capacity. Yeah, I think it has been a while. We're here in the Pom Pom offices in London, mm-hmm. all set up for the podcast recording. We had a little coffee. We had a little coffee. It's good. Um, the weather is mild. Chick <laughs> <laughs> talked about the weather. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're, we're both, well, you certainly probably are, we're still uh, kind of buzzing from Lydia's 30th birthday that happened this weekend. <laughs> last week. Yes. I, uh, yeah, last week I turned 30, which I was very excited about. Congrats. Um, I'm very happy to be entering my, the next decade. Mm-hmm. First three have been pretty good. The next episode. Yeah, the ne- next episode. No, series. The next mm. series. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Or se- season, sorry, for those Americans uh, listening. Um, yeah, so I had uh, a sort of a pretty silly birthday party on Saturday night. Uh, but, uh, it was so much fun. <laughs> I decided I wanted a Stars in the Rise themed karaoke party. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that haven't seen Stars in the Rise, it's a TV show where people go on because they have a voice that sounds a lot like a specific singer or pop star. Mm. And they get all dressed up, made up to look like that person. um, And they sing as that person. And I loved that show when I was little and I love karaoke. So I asked all my friends, all the ones who wanted to, to come dressed as a pop star and to sing as them. (laughs) I think it's interesting. The people who you're friends with obviously imbue the same qualities. So like... I'm a friends with people who like making things, and you like the singing, and you're friends with a lot of people who are kind of intimidatingly good at singing. <laughs> there was a pretty high standard, but I've got to say, Sophia's Bjork was one of the highlights. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and of course, she had a classic Sophie handmade outfit that was I did. gorgeous. People said, like, Eli said, just like, where did you buy this from? I was like, I made it. Like, honestly, like, you know. Eli! You know I'm making the thing. You listen to us talking about making things all the time. That was good fun. So I think, <laughs> yeah, uh, swanning around as Bjork. Hey! Was uh, pretty, pretty fun. <laughs> Yeah. Who are you, Lydia? I was Joan Baez, mm-hmm. and then I changed into uh, Liza Minnelli in Cabaret. I like the birthday girl <laughs> costume change. I was going to do a third costume change, actually, but I sort of, I didn't want to leave the room because there was so much fun singing going on. What was the on. third one? It was just a cool party dress. Oh, okay. An amazing party dress, actually, that I bought in Austin, and I really wanted to wear it, but I just didn't want to leave because everybody kept just coming up and raising the standards. Banging out tune after tune. And Eli himself, Mr. Podcast uh, editor and producer, he was Matthew Kelly, who is the presenter. And he did a very good job of making the whole evening run smoothly. And the other exciting thing was that we had a gorgeous stage that was built by my sister and her boyfriend. Um, who are set builders. Mm, and um, if you've seen the new pom-pom setup that we had at Edinburgh with the amazing oh, yes. Chevron wooden display unit, mm-hmm. you'll know how fantastic this was. Yeah, so they built that and they, uh, yeah, they're, they're incredible. So really, I'm still on a high from all the lovely things, all the lovely messages I had. Um, and I had loads of fun, yeah. too. We're still, yeah, we're still kind of, I'm we're still excited. Like, By proxy, I'm still like, excited <laughs> about your birthday. Um, and I guess, actually... Speaking of Eli being uh, a compere mm-hmm. and MC, mm-hmm. he will be live in person at Pomcast Live. Yeah, okay, we need to talk about this. So yes. this actually does segue on, like, yeah. parties are good. Mm-hmm. Being the same time, the same place as people. 
There's nothing quite like it. That's true. And let's uh, let's talk about Pomfest. Hey guys, Pomfest. So t- heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> so tickets are on sale. Uh, pompommag.com forward slash Pomfest. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll find all the information, links to tickets. Well, the tickets are actually in the shop of Pom Pom, but there's yeah. also, you might want to segue your through all the information. We've got our lovely sponsors, uh, Loop of mm-hmm. London. You may have heard of them. Um, so we can give them a nice shout out and say thank you. Yes, yeah, we're really excited to have them as our um, main sponsor since Loop is where me and Megan first met. And, yeah. and Sophie. Yeah, yeah, someone said, <laughs> actually someone at the party was like, how do you know Lydia? I was like, oh, I work with her now and then I used to work with her. And they're like, oh, how long have you worked with her? And I was like, oh, like five, six years. Yeah. <laughs> actually quite a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, so as I just mentioned, we'll be having uh, Pomcast Live, which is our Friday yes. evening event. And will involve... Um, Podcast shenanigans, so me and Soph will be there. Live and interactive. Live guys. and interactive. Um, Eli will be there um, hosting, and obviously, most people listening to this weren't at my birthday party, but we can confirm that Eli is an excellent host as well as an excellent podcast editor. Mm-hmm. In fact, you might remember him reading out your horror Halloween stories mm-hmm. uh, last year. Um, and, you know, he's got a lot of charisma. He has nerve and talent. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but that's just one of the three potential tickets that we have on sale. So, so if, do you want to do a little clarifying? I do. So you've got three options for your fun times at Pomfest. You can go for either Friday day or Saturday day. Mm-hmm. And this will give you access to the marketplace. You've got a whole host of lovely nitty people and haberdashery and all the delights. And also there's a series of talks going on each day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had the talk line up uh, going out on Instagram and stuff like that, social medias. So we've mm-hmm. got Bristol Ivy, there's Clara Parks. Um, I'm going to have to name everyone now. There's Dave <laughs> Coleman. Uh, all the cool pom peeps. Yeah, loads of people. It's, yeah, it's probably easier for people to just like look at the list online. And so then you can choose you know, which day you're most interested in or come for both days. By all means, we'd love mm-hmm. that. Uh, but you will need two tickets to do that. And similarly, the Friday evening event will also... Be ticketed separately mm-hmm. so just we want to make sure that everybody's clear on all those things and we'd love to have y'all there for as yeah. many of those activities as you can make it for um we're gonna have delicious food as well we should mention that yeah and for our evening party we will also be uh we'll have john arban spinning I'm records really, really looking yeah. forward to this so um Maybe people went or suddenly heard about Unwind, which was maybe three years ago in yeah. Brighton. Mm-hmm. Um, John of John Arban, who uh, we regularly shout out on the podcast, yeah, um, played an amazing set. I remember I kicked off my shoes, boogied on down. Yeah, it's great. So, yes, there was a lot of dancing at the yeah. uh, at the seaside shindig. Yeah, so that was the Unwind after party that we hosted. Um, yeah, so if you like this podcast, if you like fun. <laughs> of any kind we recommend Pomfest for you we're really excited about it we're really excited mm. to celebrate our five year anniversary because that's what it's all about and also to have um, everybody in the same room at the same time because actually yeah. all of us Pom Pom folks we all work you know in different parts of the world and we want to have as many of our our buds in one place yeah, at one time which includes you guys of course, of course it does um, and on that note of you guys our lovely listeners we're going to ask for a little audience participation. Even before Pomfest, uh, Pomcast Live has started. Um, so, you know, we do What Would Juju Do? Mm-hmm. Which we haven't actually done for a little while. But we'd like to do a live version with Juju. And uh, so maybe you'll be in the audience. Or maybe you'll be able to listen to... We're going to figure out how to record all the content from Pomcast Live. So you guys can have access to that later. Mm-hmm. That's in the tech department. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so we want you guys to send through your queries for Juju so she can answer them live on stage. Yeah, so Juju is, of course, our... Um, craft, craft guru. Yeah, craft guru slash agony aunt. Um, yeah, and we want you to be sending those questions. We'll have Juju there. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll also have Eli mm-hmm. on stage, as said 
previously and we'd like him to do some more reading of stories because yeah. quite honestly that was a highlight I think of the whole podcast oh yeah it's, he came and just completely overshadowed us <laughs> <laughs> so we want we're inviting him back to do that again yes <laughs> um, so if you haven't listened to the October Halloween special episode uh, which also has a cracking interview with Rachel Matthews um, Eli reads your scary knitting horror stories so we either want you to send more of those. Yeah. Basically, I think ideally we have craft horror stories. So situations in which something went wrong whilst you were making a thing. Because mm-hmm. um, I think they'll be the funniest to read. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> so we'd love to you to send through your stories. And we have an email address, which is podcast at pompommag.com. Um, yeah, basically we want to hear from you guys and you can be part of the podcast, part of Pomcast Live. Uh, we can't wait to have you, of course, and also thanks to Fig Tree Yarns, a lovely shop in Jersey, who are sponsoring Pomcast Live. Yes, thanks to them. Okay, and our last bit of news, it's very newsy. Yes, uh, this podcast. Well, a lot of stuff happening in Pom Town. Hey man, Pom Village is turning into a town. It's officially getting its. Uh, what do you have to do to be a town? Just be bigger. Um, you don't need a cathedral. That's a city. Cathedral city. Well, yeah, the Church of Pom. <laughs> um, we have even more exciting news. So, of course, as we've mentioned, uh, it's our five-year anniversary this summer, and so issue twenty-one, which is our summer issue this year, is our fifth anniversary special edition and oh boy is it going to be special it's going to be bigger twice as big at least it's going to like many many more patterns with some of our favorite designers and yarns uh it's going to be even more colorful i mean you know we're a pretty colorful bunch the pom-pom crew uh, but i feel like we've done extra colorful for this issue we've just really got to the heart of how much me and megan just really like all the colors <laughs> And possibly a little bit of sparkle. Yeah, sometimes we like shiny things too. Mm. Shiny, that's the word. <laughs> sparkle as well. I like mean. a magpie. <laughs> yeah, so um, keep an eye out for the previews for that issue, which will be going live fairly soon. Fairly soon, if not now, in the context of your listening. Yeah, plans. by the time you listen to this, that's true. So um, we are so proud of this issue. We're really, really excited. We can't wait for you guys to see it. So go and check it out um, as soon as you can. Because not only does it look great, but there are some brilliant patterns in oh, there, as boy. always. We yeah. love all the issues that we make. Um, and this is just even more to love, because there's more of it. Top of the pond. And if that wasn't enough, which it clearly wasn't, because we decided to do more things. <laughs> <laughs> when we were thinking about um, the last five years and how much we've grown, um, we kind of revisited our first ever issue. Um, and we decided that we'd like to republish it. Rather than make like life easy for ourselves and just publish it as it was, <laughs> we decided to give it a little spit shine and uh <laughs> Yeah, that's a thing. Fresh like a paint. <laughs> yeah, and again, really, really happy with that. I can't wait for everyone to see it because of course the print run for the first issue was much smaller than our print run is now. So we think um there might be some people out there who missed it the first time round who would be interested in it second time round. Um and of course, everything in it, more or less, was designed by me and Megan, written by me and Megan, apart from the delicious cocktail recipe by uh, Rebecca. So we also can't wait for you guys to see that. Yeah, it's sort of like a collector's edition of Pom Pom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, we like to think of it a little bit like, you know, that cardigan that you love, but you haven't worn it in a while. You've washed it. You've reblocked it. You sewed on some new buttons so that it goes with your, you know, your current wardrobe a bit better. Um, so you can think of it like that. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, I'm probably visited. Yeah, <laughs> cannot wait for everyone to see. So let's segue into a little bit of tell and tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tell each other and you guys what we've been knitting. Lydia, haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> what have you been doing? Well, I've been working on my Velamo. Um, which I've been working on for a while. Yeah, it is. It's looking real nice. An issue 18 cover star. Exactly. By the lovely uh, Francesca Hughes. Love, love. Love, love. Love, love, love. Um, So, yeah, it's coming along really well. I've got the front and back finished. Almost finished sleeve one. Hey, you're practically done. 
Yeah, it always feels that way, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> the thing is with sleeves, I, I keep meaning to do this where I make like a front, then a sleeve, then the back, then a sleeve, or something like that to make it Why not... are you doing... Why, devil's advocate, why aren't you doing your sleeves two at a time, man? That is a really good question. <laughs> I don't think I can answer it. Think about what you're doing. Yeah, it's true. I do need to upgrade my technique a little, don't I? Uh, well, I've almost finished sleeve one and I didn't do them two at a time. Okay. But the good thing is that I have enjoyed a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race whilst uh, knitting. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Amen, exactly. So that's coming along really nicely and I'm looking forward to having that done, oh gosh, I don't know, soon, hopefully. Yeah. I'll have it done soon. I yeah. And I've also got some yarn ready to make Izumi mm -hmm. from the recent spring issue. Nice. That's the green jumper by Natalie Sellies. Exactly. Yeah. With gorgeous like lace detail over the shoulders. Uh, but I haven't started that yet, so that's a bit of a, you know, <laughs> it's neither here nor there. But mostly, I think it's safe to say, I've been weaving. Oh, your weaving's your new thing. Yeah, man. Weaving's my thing. It's been looming for a while. Hey, she's on fire. Uh, yeah, so I have a little um, Rigid Heddle Kromsky loom, mm -hmm. 24 inches, not that you asked, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> wow, that went down really well, I didn't expect that. Anyway, point is that I am now into weaving, uh, under the excellent guidance of the tutorial that we had in our summer issue of mm. last year, um, which I really enjoyed doing like when we were shooting the tutorial I really really enjoyed the whole experience and I did a lot of um oh my god oh my god weaving's so great but it took me quite a while to get round to actually buying myself a little loom um and I stand by what I said the first mm -hmm. time I tried weaving yeah, yeah, weaving's really great um and I have now made three scarves <laughs> <laughs> that's good output I think so I think so yeah and it's uh, it's made me fall back in love with making fabric mm -hmm. because it's, you know, diff slightly different way, well, very different way of creating fabric and so you have different options in terms of colours. And like so many, um, it's not that I ever stopped liking knitting, but I feel like it's really reinvigorated my love of fibre and the like. It's a different way of seeing yarn, I can imagine. Like, totally. you get a totally different, uh, totally, uh, totally, different way of viewing the construction of it yeah. and how it kind of comes across and what you can do with it once it's, yeah transformed into a different fabric totally and i think the thing is is with weaving you know your kind of color combination options are quite different because of the you know sort of grid system so to speak mm. or like warp and weft and just the fact that you have to decide what you want the entire warp to look like from the get-go mm. um is really interesting but it also made me appreciate the qualities of knit fabric in a different way um so yeah just all good highly recommended for anyone who uh just anyone. <laughs> All of you. Come on, guys. Um, Multi-craftual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, anyway, so, you. Me. Uh, no weaving. Um, I finished a rock hopper shawl, which is by Anna Maltz, from her Penguin collection. Love boy, that collection. Boy, was that fun to knit. It was fun just seeing it, like, evolve, because <laughs> Sophie would be sort of bringing it in as she went along, and, like, it is so colourful and fun. It has, so the main colour, the two stripes, that's stripey, and that has, like, a big zigzag ed edging. The main colour is like a teal blue and then it's um, some La Bien-Aimé tough sock kind mm -hmm. of thing or like yeah. sock yarn which we got at the pom-pom party. Oh, in the special, special colour yeah. they did for us which is very nice, very speckly and fun. Kind of has like a creamy base and then it has oh, it's gorgeous. kind of pinky rainbow speckles. Oh, very yeah. nice. And then I've gone for like a super hot pink on the edge. Um, yeah, fun to knit. So much fun. <laughs> it kind of embodies, like, when I think of you in colour terms, yeah. I think of, like, really deep, bright pink. Mm, yes, and, like, I do love that yeah, colour. And, like, oh, yeah. really, like, bright, vivid blues. Mm, yes. So, yeah. I did I did run out of yarn, so I had a whole situation where I in, undid the one side of the shawl and then used that to knit and put that, like, on hold. Mm -hmm. And then I used that end to knit the finishing bit, mm -hmm. the tippy tail of the <laughs> triangle Dippy tail. so essentially what i've done is like a snake eating its own tail kind of thing of knitting Ooh, infinity yeah where i was sacrificing one part of the knit <laughs> to finish the other end of the, the greater good it's so beautiful <laughs> and then i bought because i ran out of yarn i bought like a little bit of extra like a 50 skein uh 50 skein uh, <laughs> i bought 50 skeins <laughs> <laughs> i bought 50 skivets and then um i got a little 50 gram ball just to finish off the top wedge that i done done managed to find a matching color <gasps> 
And uh, I think I've got a lot more casual in my knitting. I'm just like, yeah, sure, I'll just rip out this bit and then use that for that. And then, oh, I'll just sandwich this on, it's fine. I think that that's happened with me as well. I think the more acquainted you become mm. with how the fabric works and the actual control that you do have over it, you kind of get a bit less, or I have become less and less precious. I'll do mm. things like that as well. You're just like, okay, this is not what I'm expecting, but what I'm going to do is cut that bit off. Right. <laughs> that was the thing, like, when I was making this uh, swan costume before your party, and I think it's it is great to do things like, this is the technical way to do things. Mm. This is, you know, good mm -hmm. and accurate and thoughtful. There's also a lot of joy that I have from just being like, well, yeah, I'll cook a, cut an oblong. Sure, let's sew that up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like that. And then like maybe I'll just pin this bit here and you can just kind of like whack everything together in a kind of very low tech yeah. but enjoyable way. And I think it is very enjoyable because you're making something, but you're not paralyzed by the fear of like, it's got to look perfect. Yeah. And I think that paralyzing, it, it is paralyzing. Mm. Idea. Like, it's really nice. There are, I think that on different occasions, I choose which side I want to take. So mm. sometimes you're like, Eh, I was making a sock and I ran out of that car. I'll just change the colour halfway yeah. through. Like, don't don't mind. It'll still be a great sock. And then there's other times where you realise you've like done the cable wrong, sort of six repeats yeah. down, and you have to decide at that point, like, am I going to undo it? And there's merit in both, mm. basically, that you get to do one or the other. And I like being able to be both free of that kind of scary, like, everything must be exactly as I wanted it to be, but also be able to if I choose to be like, no, I want this to be perfect, actually. I'm going to go yeah. back and do it properly. That's healthy. Sounds, yeah. Sounds like we're healthy. Yes. Yeah, well done us. <laughs> but that's one thing that scares me about weaving mm. is that I don't, because I'm not very good at it yet, and also you can't... You don't know all the rules yet to break them. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't make decisions like that. I'm just like, okay, I make long length of fabric. <laughs> there we go, well done me. <laughs> what else are you making? Um, also, I've started a tinea from uh, issue 20. <gasps> Which is by Rachel Brockman. It's like the open cardi with like cable detail at the uh -huh. back. Um, Little moth cable oh, detail. It's so pretty. It's so great because it's basically just forty centimeters of knitting at the moment, just like stocking stitch. Because uh. uh, I'm a I'm a commuter knitter. That's where I get most of my knitting done. Mm -hmm. So that's very happy. I'm very happy doing that. Still deeply into Harry Potter audio tapes. So um, <laughs> that's my existence on, the, on a morning. It's very, very, uh, very, very pleasant. That sounds lovely. It is, yeah. What are you making it in? So I'm using uh, Anna Dandelion, mm -hmm. uh, Rosie Sport, uh, which I got at Edinburgh. Um, and usually I don't go for a merino, mm. but there's something about this. It's kind of, uh, it's not like spongy merino. It mm. kind of has almost like a silky, and I want to say it's kind of stringy, but not in an unpleasant way. Right. It kind of, has a, uh, what's the word I want to use for it? I like, guess with the stitch definition, like, has it got good kind of yeah, yeah, definitely. body in that way? Yeah, Um So it's it's sort of got, like, an automatic drape, which I think is nice for that cardigan because it doesn't have the structure. It's, like, open yeah. and it doesn't have, you know, it doesn't button up very mm. snugly. It has, yeah. like, a drapey kind of front almost. Yeah. Um, and I'm using a colour called Lasting Forest, which is, I find it very nice. It's kind of like a tealy blue. Gorgeous. Uh, I'm just really happy about that. I'm very excited and it's kind of chugging through. It's going, yeah. it's going quickly, man. Yeah. I also have some yarn to make that, actually. Yeah, so yeah. I need to be getting on with this Velamo so right. I can get on with these other two jumpers that I've got yarn waiting for. Um, of course, we also love to hear what you're knitting. Um, you can go on to the Ravelry Forum. Um, there's a pom-pom group there. Search for pom-pom, unsurprisingly. <laughs> and there's forums. We have uh, chats about the issues and all the stuff going on. Obviously about Pomfest as well. Also, you can uh, join in a knit-along. Please do. Yeah, we have knit-alongs where you can win prizes. Hooray! Yay! Everyone loves prizes, but also everyone loves seeing each other's projects. True. So, so fun seeing the colours that you guys choose and the ways that you interpret the patterns. It's part of the joy of knitting. Indeed. So there's also a podcast forum on there, so you can say hi. To reviews. Hooray! It's just one review. I got excited <laughs> and added a plural. We gave it an S. Well, it just it feels like 
there's a lot of things to say about this exciting yarn. Indeed. So we have um, from our lovely sponsors. It's come all the way from Rhode Island. I've actually been on holiday there. It's very Thank pleasant. you. Really nice part I of the world. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, it's very charming. Just um, like you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's the review of me. <laughs> Sophie, charming. Moving on. <laughs> so, Northlight Fibres, our lovely sponsors, have sent us some yarn to review. And we have their Water Street yarn, um, which is a double knit cashmere merino blend. And mm -hmm. um, here we've got the colour chicory. It's blue, but uh, it's more than a blue, Lydia. It is. It's. Okay. I'm just going to have a little. I love heathered yarns so much. You're just going to have a little moment here. I'm just going to have a little moment where I think about how much I love heathered yarns. So this is, you know, it's the main colour is blue. If you hold it, like, at a distance, you think yeah, that's, that's blue. Yeah, that's blue, sure. sure. I, blue. I'm... I'm speeding by on a horse. Yeah. <laughs> what? Do you not know that phrase? Like, no. Passing nod from a blind man on a speeding horse, something like that. It's like, it's obvious. I don't know what you're talking about, but I like it. <laughs> so Sophie's riding a horse. She spots <laughs> some yarn in the distance. The like, yarn is blue. Sure, that's blue. It's great. She's, and moving swiftly on. Yeah. She throws her rock hopper shawl over her shoulders, gallops off into the distance. Whereas Lydia stops, <laughs> thinks, oh, some yarn in a bush. How odd. And then she holds it. <laughs> she holds it. Really painting a picture here. She holds the yarn up closer and she says, hang on a second, it's not just blue. It has little speckles of kind of, it's like a sort of brown and a little kind of cream there. Mm. So the, so that you get this kind of lovely textured effect in the colour. I'd say complex heather. Ooh. Yes. Nice. Yes. Okay. So we like the fact that it's heathered. Yeah. <laughs> That's... And also it's for, again, I think we're talking about merino again, mm -hmm. so this is a cashmere merino blend. I sometimes do shy away from the merinos because mm -hmm. I find them too spongy. Mm -hmm. But there's a there's kind of like a toothiness almost to this, like a texture yeah. with the, the heathered nature of the yarn. Yeah. And the cashmere, again, sometimes I steer away from that because it's too floofy. Too floofy, too soft, doesn't last so well. But yeah. mixed with merino just means that it's like extra soft. Mm. And actually I think the two, the plied structure of this means that it won't be as pilly, mm, maybe. Definitely, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so let's give a little shout out to these guys because they're a micro mill in Block Island. They are. Um, and they're really lovely. We've met a few of them um, at TNNA and they do make really gorgeous yarns, like amazing colours, little mill. And mm. they, as we said in the sponsor message, um, they're a really important part of the community there. Yeah, all the fibre is processed on the island, so 100%. So all the processes, the shearing, you know, the washing, the dyeing, mm -hmm. all the spinning and the plying, like, it's amazing to think, like, 100% of that process is done in that location. It's incredible. And like many, uh, many mills, mm -hmm. which is a fun little phrase, many sort of micro mills, we've got John Arbon, there's also Green Mountain Spinnery, there's mm -hmm. Blacker, and there are countless other ones, but those are just ones that we happen to have worked with a fair bit. But Northlight are in that kind of... Um, group as they have a real signature so they do everything you know on site and they have you know you their yarn is like really cohesive mm. um but varied within that which doesn't I don't know how much sense I'm making but I'm Sophie <laughs> sort of nodding as if I'm making yeah, sense yeah. <laughs> but I guess yeah what I want to say is that their yarn is really special as in it's very north light mm. but still gives you a lot of a lot of things to choose from um and we are big fans of these this yarn here, and that's why we have some to give away. Also, oh yeah, give away. I was going to say also. Uh, I'm oh very, yeah. <laughs> very excited. I'm just like going to reach over here. Where is it? Oh yeah, we um you might have heard about me moving a postcard. <laughs> they sent us a postcard which has you know one of the things we're saying it's all based on the island. You know they're employing a lot of people because you know the there's a big tourism thing in the yeah. summer. Mm -hmm. Um, so they provide work for people in the winters and mm -hmm. stuff like that. You know, there's a whole um. You know, they strengthen the island all year round. Yep. Um, and they sent us a really lovely postcard which has pictures of their dogs that... <laughs> <laughs> it has. So it has a, pic a picture of the staff who yeah. work there. And also four dogs. <laughs> this one on the left looks a lot like my dog, so that makes me very happy. And the, the whole back of it is like... Oh, here's the team. Shown in the photograph from left to right, dogs included. <laughs> so we, so we know the names of all the dogs, which is good. Uh, Reef is the dog that looks like my dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put this on the, on the blog post. Yeah, if you ever want more information about um, anything we talk about in the podcast, you might want to see pictures of the things, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, then you can go to pompommag.com forward slash podcast. That's just a side note if you didn't know that. Back to the pictures of the dogs now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we can say that... Uh, this yarn is really gorgeous, and so we think you should enter the competition to win it. There'll be more uh, details about that on the blog post. Which you now know about. Which you now know about. So thanks again to our wonderful sponsors, Northlight, for sending us their gorgeous yarn. 
and we think you'd be very lucky to win it. Oh, and yes. we also think that you should check out their stuff online. Interview. This podcast was speaking to Gina Rocknwagner. Um, there's my anglicised version of her German <laughs> name. Um, and we spoke to her via Skype. She was in the US. We were in the UK, as you probably know. Magic of the internet. Indeed. Um, apologies for the Skype crapple. Ooh, Skype crapples. <laughs> <laughs> New uh, really rubbish breakfast cereal. Um, <laughs> so you want Weetabix and you get biscuit wheats. <laughs> Um, <laughs> anyway, we, uh, yeah, sorry for any Skype interference as such happens with technology sometimes. Indeed. But yeah, we, we caught up with her. She's based in New York. Um, Gina, if you're not sure who she is, she's... Get to know. Get to know. She's a, a quilt and knitwear designer. Um, she used to work with Pearl so at Pearl Soho. Mm -hmm. So that's how we discovered her. Also, Anna Maltz, I think, um, is a good friend of yeah. their, their pals. I found her through Instagram because yep, uh, that's where I get most of my information. Is about way ahead the curve, curve there. Um, but she did designed two of the patterns from our spring twenty sixteen mm -hmm. issue, um, Equilibrium Cardi and the Rombiel jumper, both gorgeous, of course. And she also did the quilt tutorial for our more recent spring issue. Yeah. She just springs up in spring. Hey. Does Gina? Um, so. I mean, she's she sort of does all the things really amazingly. She also um, has a label called Poppy and Pima, um, who make ethical fashion, basically. She kind of imbues everything good and positive about the textile community, I think. She really does. Yeah, and yeah. in a creative, positive way. And she has an excellent colour sense. She's very uh, colourful. And as previously mentioned, we're a big fan of all things colourful. Um, and... In addition to all of those things, we used some of her uh, gorgeous clothes for our issue 21 shoot, so you'll be able to see some there. Um, we thought that was topical and relevant, so <laughs> yeah. we got her in for an interview, yeah. so there we go. <laughs> so, having said all of that, uh, let's hear from Gina. Rock and Wagner, um, and we're very excited. We're in London, she's in New York, so yeah. we're in two uh, pretty major cities, I think it's safe to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to explore more of London's uh, knitting scene. I went there, I've been there once, and I stayed with Anna Maltz, actually. Um, yeah, it was really wonderful, but too, the trip was too short. I barely even got to go to any yarn stores. I only went to one, I think. You have to come <laughs> over for Pompas. I know, That's yeah, I do. During the summer, so... <laughs> yes, I know. It look it sounds so cool. And um I I gave some I lent some uh clothes for the photo shoot. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you were there, Sophie, but Lydia, you were there, right? I was, yeah. Yeah. I was very enamored with the clothes. They're beautiful. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Do I feel like we should uh <laughs> we should do more of an introduction for people who don't know like the stuff you do because your life is kind of textiles uh pretty like absorbed with all forms of textiles like knitting and quilts and uh you know fabric and all its forms uh so maybe you could like yeah tell us about your journey in this world of textiles and how you got to where you are now yeah sure um well I grew up in Venice California which is in southern California um and uh my parents were like super creative growing up both my parents are chefs um, but they also have like creative practices outside of their jobs. Um, my dad does a lot of carpentry and woodworking. Cool. So, um, he like made my crib when I was a kid and like the house that he lives in, he's like totally built the whole thing. And he, he taught himself all of that. He used to have a shop in the garage when I was a kid and, um, my mom paints and makes jewelry and, just is generally like really crafty and um but neither of them sewed or knitted when I was a kid and still today they don't so um yeah so I was like kind of an, it grew up in a creative environment and um 
I I had a really bad childhood illness when I was a kid. So I was in the hospital a lot and they would like give me little projects to do to like distract me because back then it was like super boring to be in hospital. <laughs> like it was just like TV and like the playroom had like a couple dolls. So I just remember being like so bored all the time. I used to have like have to have blood transfusions like every day and and like ha- I had all these surgeries and stuff. So just like sitting around doing nothing was like so boring. So my parents would give me like little projects to do. Like my mom and I like made a book about my surgeries and stuff. And um, yeah, so I was kind of like always surrounded by creativity. And I never thought like, you know, my parents like never limited me. They kind of just always were like, you can do whatever you want. Like, you know, no one like forced me to go into the family business, which was food. So, um, yeah, I was just always like all options were open. Yeah. So I was like, you know, started like drawing and making like little things out of clay when I was a kid. But then, um, for elementary school, I went to a really, uh, progressive elementary school where they did like a lot of hands-on learning when I was 10, we um, had this whole curriculum on the um, the co- American colonies. My teacher, she brought in this um, textile artist. I don't even remember her name, and she taught us um, embroidery and knitting. And I just got totally obsessed. First, embroidery was like the first thing that I got like totally obsessed with, and was making like these really like intricate little like embroidered pillows that would have like flowers and and butterflies and stuff on them like when I was 10 and then um when I learned how to knit I was just like totally obsessed with it and like wanted to do it all the time and like would beg my parents to take me to the yarn store to like buy yarn to make my projects and stuff um because you know we didn't have like yarn and stuff laying around the house because neither of my parents did that and um then at some point, my great-grandmother bought my mom a sewing machine so that she could hem our pants because we're all short in my family, <laughs> or we were at the time. My brother's actually pretty tall now, um, <laughs> but we were really short <laughs> when I was growing up, so my mom would have to hem all our pants, so my grandmother, my great-grandmother bought us a sewing machine, and I don't think my mom ever touched it once because as soon as we got it in the house, I was just so excited to use it and my mom told me I could I could use it as long as I read the whole instruction manual. So I did. <laughs> and and then I just was like I was hooked from there. I was like making clothes for my like beanie babies and then I started making clothes for myself and like when I was in high school I was totally like I wanted like 80% of my wardrobe to be handmade. And then like, I was like, I want all my clothes to be handmade except underwear. Like that's the only thing I want to buy from the store and my shoes, obviously didn't quite get to that goal, but I, um, I ended up going to the art Institute of Chicago for college. And, um, I was a fashion major there and I minored in like textiles, which um, is called fiber and material studies at the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, So yeah, I just like totally loved it. Like my years at the Art Institute were awesome and uh, just totally like got to be blissed out, like making things all the time. So yeah, I um, did like a ton of knitting at the Art Institute. They didn't have like a knitwear specific program, but I always like incorporated into my collections as much as I could. And of course was like knitting my own stuff like outside of school in my like free time. Um, So then I was, when I was facing graduation, I was like totally terrified of like what my future was going to be. I just didn't think I would ever be able to get a job or like pay my rent. Like, you know, I totally thought like, I'm just going to have to like move back in with my mom and like (laughs) just figure it out from there. But, um, my boyfriend who I'm still, still with now, um, just, told me, you know, we got to move to New York and we have to set a date. Cause like, you're not going to get a job in fashion in LA. I mean, like LA is the industry is like so denim centric and that's like not what I do well. So, you know, I knew that I had to move to New York, like if I wanted to get a job. Um, so, you know, he set the date, which actually was really helpful in like pushing me to 
moved to New York and did like a bunch of internships in New York, like while I was working at anthropology. So I definitely like, you know, worked my way up. Um, I interned at like Rodarte in LA and I had internships at three is four in New York and Corel Corel. And, um, yeah, so those were like really great, uh, learning experiences in the industry. And, um, then I stopped working at anthropology. I was just working like the register and the fitting room at anthropology dreaming about like one day, Oh my God, maybe one day I'll get to like design product for anthropology. You know, I just thought like, I totally had the eye for it. And when I was working there, I was like, I could totally design this stuff and it would be so great. And, you know, and your dreams come too, like just recently now, hasn't it? Like, yeah, pretty much. Well, it's a funny story. I was actually, so I stopped working at Anthropology, and then I started working at Pearl Soho um, selling yarn there. And um, when I was working there, this woman came in and she said, I have to make all these hand-knit scarves for Anthropology. I really need help. I don't know how to knit. I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? So I, you know, I... I helped her find all the yarn for her project that she needed. And then she said, okay, can you make the samples for me? So I said, yeah, of course, like I'll make the samples for you. And I made them like over Christmas break. And then on, uh, December 31st, I went to her house to like bring her the samples and she looked at them and she said, do you want a job? Because I I would totally hire you. So she just like gave me a job and she was one of the um, one of the like head designers at Anthropology. So that that was like how I got into like that was my first job in fashion was working for um, Linda, this woman who's doing like all the knitwear for Anthropology um, in like what's called private label, which means like they just sell to Anthropology. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so I worked I worked with for her and we did this project with. Um, Women for Women International making um, hand-knit scarves with uh, women in Bosnia who are, like, fantastic knitters. That was when I really started working with, like, disadvantaged women and thinking, like, I really want this to be, like, a part of my career. So, yeah, that kind of, like, started it all. And um, then I worked for Eugenia Kim, the hat designer, for, like, three years and uh, did, like, her whole hand-knit product line which was just like such a great um you know learning experience about doing like production on that scale and stuff so yeah and then started my own line wow and that's actually a perfect time for us to talk about your line so that's uh poppy and pima and that's the line that we uh used some of your uh samples from for um our issue 21 photo shoot and I know that Poppy and Pima, um, the production happens in Peru and it's got kind of strong ethical and sustainable roots. And you've referred to it as mindful fashion, um, which kind of ties into what you're talking about, um, about uh, working with women in Bosnia. So, yeah, I'd love to hear more about Poppy and Pima and how you started that brand. Right. So, um, yeah, Poppy and Pima is like named after my pet names for my grandparents. Um and also poppy is the state flower of California where I'm from. And, uh, Pima is the name of a really nice cotton that I'm sure you're familiar with, (laughs) um, that they grow a lot of in Peru. So, um, that's how I, I came to choose the name. Like I named it after my grandparents in the spirit of kind of like supporting women who in turn support their families and, um, like as a thank you to my, my grandparents and my family supported me so much in, you know, doing everything that I love. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I started going to Peru in 2013. That was my first trip there. And, um, that was around the time of the Rana Plaza factory collapse. I think I was on my second trip there when that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and seeing that, tragedy unfold like while I was at this amazing knitting co-op in Peru um like in the mountains in Arequipa with natural materials that are like often naturally dyed with you know produce that they're growing there in a garden 
and, um, you know, these women who like really want the work and are getting paid like a fair wage. And most of our knitters are home workers. So they bring their projects home and they can care for their children and their families and also like make a little money at the same time. So I think it's like a really great, um, setup that we had down there. Um, I think that our product occupies a really important place in the market in that it provides an alternative to people who don't want to buy the um, clothing that was made, you know, in these like horrible working conditions that not only like destroy people's lives, but they're destroying the planet. You know, um, fashion is like one of the biggest polluters like in the world. The fashion industry is like really destructive and, I just like didn't want to have a part in that. I just don't feel right about it, you know? And like, and also like, I've, I just have like a very socially conscious worldview and, you know, as someone who like grew up making things, I like love making things. That's like my joy and why I started a line. I've always felt like I have like more of a connection to like the product that I'm, and I'm sure you guys feel this way too. Like when you go shopping, you see something in a store and you don't think like, Oh, you know, that's like a fine, like (laughs) whatever fine, like pullover. You, You think like, wow, you know, that's some like really a really beautiful yarn that the designer chose. And wow, it's, it's great that, you know, they use this technique and someone had to make this and someone's hands touched this and someone, you know, even if it was made on a machine, someone had to operate the machine and service the machine. And that person had to work and make this thing. It's not like it just, you know, came from like outer space or something. It's like, you know, you have like a connection and you're thinking of like the person who made it. And like, I just don't feel, I just can't feel good, like, or okay, like buying or wearing these clothes that like, I know were made in these like horrible, horrible conditions, you know, and, and like buying things that are like made from synthetics that pollute the planet. I don't know. I don't like like to get too self-righteous about it because I realize like in reality that, you know, not everyone can afford to buy these clothes and and everyone's just trying to survive and make it work, but I feel like if I'm if I when I was starting my company, I just thought if I'm going to do it, I want to do it my way and the way that I feel happy and fulfilled doing it. So, you know, yeah. and and I think like I really like thank my grandfather a lot for, um, you know, he's had like a lot of success in his career and, um, he actually won the Nobel prize in, in 2013. And, um, so we were going to like all these events in Stockholm to celebrate his prize. And he just kept saying, like emphasizing that he never did anything that he didn't want to do. Like, you know, like that was his whole like thing. He just never did anything he didn't want to do, you know? So I thought like, I don't want to like make fast fashion. I don't want to contribute to that industry. I think it's terrible. And it's like not promoting you like, you know, it's not promoting any kind of human humanitarian standards that I believe in. It's not promoting environmental standards that I believe in. And it's not even like promoting like an art or creative a creative like standard that I want to get behind that's brilliant I love like how passionate you are about it is that thing you shouldn't go into something like half-assed like yeah maybe I'll make this it's like yeah I'm gonna make this and it's gonna encapsulate all these things that I want that's another thing I was going to talk about your use of color I think which is something that you're equally passionate about um like when we see the we've got a the quilt that you made in uh, design for us in uh, issue 20. Um, yeah, let's basically let's talk about color. Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like I've, I've been like color obsessed for so long that it doesn't even seem like out of the ordinary to me that I'm like really colorful. Like when someone points it out, I'll always be like, oh yeah, wait, I am that colorful person. Like I feel like I have like a really emotional relationship to color. Like that's part of it for me is just like that color makes me feel good. So like, you know, that's why I'll like gravitate towards certain colors. Like I love pink right now. Pink just like makes me feel so good. I mean, I don't judge anyone. Like I know there's a lot of like color phobes out there and I get it. Like the ease of like having an all black wardrobe, I completely understand. Like, especially living in New York, you know, and I, I kind of like fall into that now that I'm just like, my life kind of revolves around just bouncing between like you know, I go work out in the morning, then I come home and I bounce to the studio, which is like three blocks away. 
So like, it's so easy to just put on like a plain t-shirt and leggings and like have that like be my uniform. But I don't know. I just feel like if in my mind, I'm like, if something could be a color, like, wouldn't it be better, best for it to be a color? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're preaching to the (laughs) And like, also like, if it could be one color, like, can't it be two colors? (laughs) I always just get so excited when I discover a like or not discover but when I become interested in a new shade of a colour that I haven't really thought about before. That's always really exciting. So I'll be like, I really like pink in general and then all of a sudden I'm like, Ooh, I'm interested in this particular pink that I saw like in a stone on the beach and then that becomes like the new thing that I can't get out of my head. Yeah. Or like like the lavender that's in your hair right now. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm on like year two of like my obsession with that like pale purple color. I just love it. Actually, this is, uh, leads on quite nicely to another question that we wanted to ask. And this is actually uh, a question that Megan particularly wanted us to ask. Um, she wanted to know what you think about the trend for denim, beige and more sort of uniform wardrobes in light of the slow fashion movement um, and how we can embrace color and still have a sustainable capsule wardrobe. I like I completely get it you know because it's like a really easy way to dress and I think like a lot of women uh especially just want don't want to have to think about their clothing too much you know they just want it to be easy and just something you throw on and looks good always isn't super trend driven um so like I'm really excited to see that like more of the emphasis on like silhouette I think which is something that this whole trend of like, you know, the uniform has brought out is like more of an emphasis on silhouette because when you're not working with like colors and patterns, it's like, that's kind of all you have to work with. So it's nice to see designers getting back to like fit and um, like shape and, and stuff like that is really great. But, you know, on the other hand, I, I just couldn't be, be happy, like dressing that way. I don't know. I like need my like color to like feel happy. Um, so I think like a good way to like incorporate that into your wardrobe is just to go for colors that you respond to and that you like and not be like driven by any kind of trend colors, you know, cause like there are these colors that are trendy and then maybe they go out of fashion, but if you like something, I don't think it ever goes out of fashion, you know, like, and also like, I love how with the whole like wardrobe uh, uniform trend, um, there's more of an emphasis on personal style, I think, now. And, um, you know, when, once, like, women stopped dressing, like, head to toe in one designer, it became more of an emphasis on, like, personal style and how you mix things and put things together. And, like, I really love the idea of, like, seeing your wardrobe as, like, a collection of, you know, these curated, like, items that are very, like, thoughtfully put together so that, you don't have to think about it too much when you get ready in the morning or whatever. So yeah, I think like, as long as you like something, I don't think it matters like what the trend is. Like the color of the year is like that fresh green color. Mm. Like, I mean, that doesn't mean we should all like rush out and buy like fresh green things (laughs) unless like, you know, that's like your color and it really speaks to you. I think that's really cool. Like, (laughs) then yeah, it's like your moment to go buy clothes, you know? Yeah, I think like wait for the the fashion of the moment to be something that you like and then you can go out and just buy your kind of lifetime supply of that thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's how I feel too. I think like I'm really like a materialistic person, but I don't think of it that as being like a negative thing. I just feel like I have a really strong connection to like material things and I'm really invested Mm. in like making and, and curating like good good things Mm. yeah I can definitely relate to that make clothes that are happy clothes equals friends (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like clothes that make you happy it's like you don't hang out with friends that like don't make you happy right you do stop doing that (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) I've mentioned you designed the quilt for issue 20 which has come out recently and your uh, knitwear designs also featured in issue 16 um do you approach like the design of these two things like very differently? Like how does like knitting design versus quilt design work? Yeah, I absolutely approach them differently. Um, I, I've been making quilts since I was a kid. 
it's like, I feel like it's just one of the natural things when you're learning how to sew that you like, I I'm, well, I should say I'm not someone who like has to do everything by the book and like follow all the rules and stuff. Like I really like teach myself how to do a lot of things and I kind of like learn through experimentation. So yeah. So like when I was teaching myself how to sew, um, I, you know, naturally just gravitated towards like patchwork. Like when you have all these little fabric scraps, it's like really fun to just like when, and you're learning how to sew to put them together and see like what kind of things you can make. So like I made a couple quilts when I was a kid, not anything like spectacular, but, um, yeah, so that kind of like started my interest in it. And then when I went to the art Institute of Chicago, I took a class in the textile, the fiber department called sampling language and color. And I made like a bunch of quilts in that class and then got like really excited about, um, the medium of quilting and like, you know, kind of like, you know, the medium is the message, like. Uh, like you can convey like a totally different message like with quilting than you can with like you know knitting or sewing just garments like super I was like making quilts but didn't really think of them as like part of like my practice as like an artist like you know I didn't like take them super seriously but then when I started working in the fashion industry in New York I got really um kind of like hung up on like how rigid knit design is like when you're designing knits as I'm sure like you know you you both know and anyone who's listening probably <laughs> would realize it's like so you have so many technical requirements you know that you have to think of it's like the the gauge and the yarn and like is it a really twisty yarn that you know is not going to look good in this kind of stitch but it's going to look good in this kind of stitch and you know or is it something with texture or like you know how tight can we knit it how loose do we have to knit it to get it to look good and then it has to like it's a garment so it has to fit <laughs> on top of all that and like, it's just, so, it gets so rigid sometimes, like, when you're just parsing out these details of a collection, it's like, oh, my God, so seriously, I have to design, like, another thing using, you know, this, like, yarn that I'm, like, so, like, sick of, <laughs> don't want to ever see again. Um, so, you know, I that then I started quilting more because I really had, like, all this creativity that I wanted to express that I, like, couldn't express through, like, my job, which was designing knits, Um like, you know, a lot of the stuff that I would design was like charts. Like I would have to design like the color work, um, styles for Eugenia Kim. And like, it's all like, you literally have to fit into like a grid, you know, your entire idea. Like, so it's so rigid, you know, whereas like with quilting, it like doesn't have to fit anyone. It, it's just a two dimensional thing and you can just do whatever, you know? So I really like, that's when I really got heavy into quilting was like when I started working in the fashion industry and I just like had all the stuff that I wanted to express. And like, I've never been like a two dimensional kind of person. Like I'm not really good at drawing or painting. <laughs> like I did it all through school, but I like never really enjoyed it. I like really would prefer to like work with like tangible things that I could touch, you know? So I like connection to materials again. So yeah, so I was like making quilts on the weekends and like at night out, out of my apartment, we had like a little spare room that my boyfriend uses for his like film stuff and I used for my sewing stuff. And so, yeah, I was just like making these quilts on the side and I just thought of them as paintings. I didn't really think of them as like anything serious, just like, Oh, I'm just going to paint and like play with color, like play with this idea that I really want to explore this like print that I want to, you know, try putting in like different contexts and stuff. So yeah, that's how I, got really heavy into quilting but I feel like the knitting and quilting like they really complement each other well because when you get tired of one it's really nice to like have a break and do something different mm. wow oh, I yeah. want to try quilting even more now because yeah, I've never yeah. really done much of it oh really there's a great tutorial um, you should somewhere. do the the project in uh the the it's issue 20 right yeah, yeah, I know yeah. I should like really <laughs> good beginning project I think um and like those nanny era fabrics are so gorgeous and like when you hand stitch them you really get to like appreciate them 
up close, I think. It's like more of the print comes out like as you're stitching that quilt. It's like, wow, this, this print is just so beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like if you're when you're knitting with like a really gorgeous hand-dyed yarn and as you're working definitely. along, you're like, whoa, this is a new part of the, the skein that I hadn't even noticed. So, yeah. Yeah. I like yeah, that too. I'm knitting <laughs> with a uh, hand-dyed yarn right now and it's like so fun to like yeah. watch the pattern like create itself. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to end with a couple of our classic questions, which is, if you were an animal, what would you be? Okay. I would definitely be a toucan. That was brilliant. (laughs) They even have the, like, red tip on their beak that's, like, my red lipstick. I've, like, always loved toucans since I was a little kid. I just feel like they're totally me. Preferably, I would be one of the ones with the, like, rainbow-colored Right. Beak. Awesome. All right. No one's been a toucan before. That's good. Yeah, that was, like, a complete curveball. I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> um, and our other favorite question to ask is, um, if you were going to be cast onto a desert island and you could only take with you one yarn to knit with, you can have it in all of the colors, but you're only allowed one uh, base, what would you take with you? Oh, this is such a hard question. <laughs> so cruel. Yeah. And I actually thought about it a lot and I didn't come up with anything until just now, as you were asking the question, I realized, oh, wait, there is a yarn that I really like. Um, and it's Harrisville Designs. Very good. Right. I love the colors. The colors are so beautiful. Great. It's yours. You can have yeah. all of the colors. You can knit yourself like weatherproof outfits of varying sorts for your desert island ethically <laughs> produced yeah sustainable <laughs> cool um yeah well thank you so much for this um yeah. but before we go um if you want to tell the people where they can find you on the social media uh sure um okay so i have two instagrams <laughs> at gina rock and wagner and then there's poppy and pima um, which is more like Poppy and Pima centric stuff, not as much quilting, more of like my Peru travels and um, like the clothing line. We have poppyandpima.com and that's A N D spelled out. Um, and then GinaRockandWagner.com has all my quilts and things like that. Cool. Okay, well, sweet. You have a really lovely day. Yeah, have a good day. Thanks. Have a good evening. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. It was nice talking to you guys. Bye, Gina. Bye. Bye. Well, thanks for Gina for taking the time to talk to us. It was great to hear more about her process and her thoughts. Yeah. Um, all about colours yeah exactly and uh, so interesting to hear the story behind Poppy and Pima Mm -hmm. um, and how she got to be where she is all the different sort of internships and places she's worked really inspiring is that thing like yeah do it if you're going to do it do it (laughs) yeah and I really liked that she really stuck to her principles when it came to her label Mm. Um, but didn't you know and the clothes are so beautiful and speaking of how gorgeous the clothes are we have a really big treat for you guys Thanks to Gina, she has given um, all you POM listeners a code to get 25% off at poppyandpima.com. Which, I mean, we think is incredibly generous. And we'll probably use it as well. And we will also be partaking in this little treat. Um, There's all sorts of things on Poppy and Pima she has. You know, everything from, like, really gorgeous socks Mm -hmm. up to, uh, like, incredible dresses. And the We Are Are Our Packers book that she mentioned. You could get that for a a nice little uh, cheeky discount. Indeed. So the code is pompom25. So that's 25% off anything on the website and it's valid until the end of July. Yeah, so uh, enjoy. This is a super duper thing. We're pretty happy about it. I this. know. So thanks for talking to us and uh, thanks for being so generous with this lovely code, which again is pompom25 at poppyandpima.com. Okay, so because Gina was so incredibly interesting, we didn't want to cut as much as we normally would from an interview. So for this episode, we're going to cheekily ask for your help for next episode because guys what do you want to know for our top threes yeah like what would you like to hear us do a top three of controversial should we still do top three or do we need a different segment because we really love doing top three 
uh, and we think that you guys enjoy it too. <laughs> but we'd love to know uh, more about what you would like to hear about. Yeah. And how would people tell us about these things? Well, they can tell us uh, by emailing us, podcast at pompommag.com. Mm-hmm. You can visit us on the Ravelry forum. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a pompom thread there. And maybe the blog, I guess, but those previous two options are probably the preferred. Yeah, I think uh, chattage on Ravelry is nice. Yeah, so tell us if there are other topics that you'd like us to do a top three on, or perhaps uh, you'd like Juju to come back soon, mm-hmm. or maybe we could revive... I know that somebody has been missing yes, Ravelry realness. which made me very happy, because <laughs> that was mine. <laughs> yeah, or even knitters you should know about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we'd love to hear from you guys, because, of course, without you guys... We're just talking into microphone for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, I think we, we might be at the end. I think we might be. So uh, just a reminder about, uh, we want you to send your stuff, your bits, your chats, yeah. your words for Pomcast Live, which mm-hmm. is happening in July. I don't know if we mentioned Oh, the we date. didn't do the dates, did we? <laughs> it's the uh, 14th and 15th of July, and the Pomcast Live mm-hmm. is uh, Friday night. Indeedy. So we cannot wait to see those of you who can make it. And we'll be back uh, next month. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye. Pomcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott with lots of help from Eli Block, who also created the original music for this show. For more Eli-related music, you can go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com. Thanks as always to the lovely Megan Fernandez, co-creator and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly. And also thanks to lovely Amy and Gail. Thank you to Gina Rock and Wagner for being our interviewee. She was incredible. And to Northlight Fibers for being our sponsors. And of course, a big thank you to all you Pom Pom buyers, subscribers and listeners. You can buy your copy of the magazine and subscribe too at pompommag.com forward slash shop. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and why not leave a review? Send any feedback or ideas to podcast at pompommag.com. And don't forget to keep in touch with us via the podcast group on the Pom Pom Ravelry Forum. Yeah.